Hey everybody, this is the Spawn on Me cast. This is episode 10. This is Khalif Adams. What is going on, everybody? We are joined today with special double-time guest making a back-to-back appearance, back-to-back champion of the internet world, coming from Milwaukee, since we are mixing it up today from <laughs> Chicago and Milwaukee. Sharif Jackson from SharifJackson.com, also Operation Cube, also Rhyme Right, also Science Looks Good, hashtag dopeness. Sharif Jackson, how are you doing, sir? Is it really special the second time? Is it as special? Like, it's, it's like reunited and it feels so good. I don't know. It's like, yeah, back-to-back games. Like, you're tired the second night. Like, you might throw up, like, 30 shots to hit five. You know, like, like you might have a J.R. Smith night, like, that second night. You know, you just... I mean, but people like J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith is liked. You are liked. You are, you are loved by people. People love you. They, they give you feedback. They send you emails and text messages talking about how satin your voice sounds. I, I don't get that. Well, it's good to know that the NBA playoffs are starting, and I'm doing the same thing J.R. Smith is doing. Sitting, <laughs> sitting in my room with no pants on, uh, watching TV. You know? so, yeah. yeah, we're all gone. We're, all, we're basically all gone fishing. Yeah, yeah, we're all we're, at this. We, 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 we are all on the Knicks right now. Like we're, we're, Damn. we're all Nick, Nick teammates. <laughs> in, in, in real life and in the podcast world, we are all on the bench. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's like pretty deep. Like when, when, when you think about it. Damn. Is that like Inception in some kind of way? Like podcast Inception? We are all on the bench of life. (laughs) Coach, let me in, coach. Coach. (laughs) Word, word, word. Um, We're going to jump right into the show, actually, because uh, C is not here this week. Uh, C, you were missed. Cicero Holmes, a.k.a. Stubby Stan, you were missed. He has some uh, personal things going on this week. Um, so he has to not be here. I think he basically doesn't want to be on the podcast anymore and he doesn't like me. I think that's what it really is. No, man. Shout out to stubby Stan. He's out there holding down real life stuff. So hope you're back soon. Word, word. We will see him here probably next week. Hopefully next week. Uh, all that stuff is taken care of and good. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to run right into our rundown, uh, Esper Goku wanted to call it something that I forgot because I deleted it out of the Asana. <laughs> I think it was the news break or something. I believe it was the news. I think it was like the breakdown. Yes, it was the, the breakdown. breakdown. He, yeah, so we're gonna call this the breakdown just for Esper Goku, who is out there listening from I believe overseas. I may be wrong. No, I'm totally wrong. That's not him. Maybe he's in the seas. Under, maybe he's under, under the, the sea. <laughs> Life is much better down when it's wetter. Take it from me. Bo, bo, oh bo. <laughs> I want that to. Maybe that's what we should call it. The under the sea, <laughs> under the sea part of the show. Oh man, see, see? Would, I mean, like, oh, I mean, like, you can find that sample and, and drop it in there. That'd be great. Oh man, I want, I want that guy to come on and do voiceover work for Spawn, for Spawn on me. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. How are you doing, Star? Oh, bo, bo, bullet. Bo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to I one day do a whole show about how bad Jamaican accents have been in movies. Yeah, they're all pretty bad. I do, t- I do actually have like a top 10 list, a top five list of worst Jamaican accents in movies. And I think Mark for Death was the worst one. Oh, Mark for Death is pretty bad, Joe. Mark for Death was pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, if like, you haven't seen it, it's basically Steven Seagal killing every single Jamaican in the United States, including Screwface. Screwface, face, a screw. Yeah. 
and, and what do you call it? It yeah. was uh, that one and Robert Townsend in The Mighty Quinn. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I've seen that one. I don't think oh, I've you got to see The Mighty Quinn. The Mighty Quinn is ridiculously bad. It's so bad because it has everybody in it that you would think would be able to pull off an accent, like Cheryl, Cheryl Lee, uh, Cheryl Lee Ralph. Yeah. Okay. Who was awesome, but. She pulled off a really bad Jamaican accent, and then there's Cool Runnings, but we're not going to talk yeah. about that. Dougie Doug, yeah. Dougie Doug, who needs to have his Jamaican accent updated, <laughs> but not uh, but not updated as well as the PS4 update has come. Oh, yeah. Transition time. Yo, that. my transitions are like J.R. Smith shots. Oh, just my goodness. My mind come is, out of nowhere my mind and is fall ex- flat. Is exploding. <laughs> we're, we're, I don't know why they just we're, used me to. We're gonna untie the shoelaces of the PS4 with this up. Yes, yeah, so we're gonna untie them and then unpack all this information for you. Yay! Mm-hmm. So the it got announced um, a couple days ago that the PS4 is gonna get a update, update 1.7, which is going to add a whole bunch of stuff that people have wanted for a long time, especially streamers who have wanted the HDCP. Uh, HDMI protection to be stripped off of the console so that they can easily, you know, tape all their gameplay and stuff like that. So that's a huge deal, especially because I, you know, I don't do Let's Plays. I'm still trying to understand why people do Let's Plays, but um, they're going to basically strip that out of the whole deal. And now all the all the police are going to come into the background of this podcast. It's amazing. I guess because we are hot like fire. Anyway, (laughs) the cops... Um, I've heard about <laughs> HDCP protection, uh, and they basically have decided that they're going to strip it out of the PS4. They, they and Sony are going to strip it out of the PS4, and so that's one part of the, the whole deal. The second really big part is, you know, they have touted the share button for a long time as being a really big feature on the PlayStation 4, and what they've done is they've given you the ability to save all of your gameplays, all your screenshots, now to a USB drive, yeah. which is huge. It's a big deal. Um, a lot of people have been worried about space because the I have at least twelve gigs of captures on my hard drive already, mm. um, and that's and there's only like seven games that have really been out, and I've been capturing the hell out of stuff for a long time. So it's been really really um, cool to see that they have been keeping up with the times as far as putting new uh, features in that are really going to be cool for the uh, community to play around with. Um, the third feature that I think is really going to, to be a game changer and is going to make everyone who is PC master, master race, they're going to say, what? We don't care because this is, we've had this forever, is you'll be able to preload your games now. Yes. Yeah. So when MLB The Show comes out and you pre-order it or Watch Dogs comes out and you pre-order it, you'll be able to actually just have it preload. You'll start it up. Uh, it'll automatically download if your automatic downloads are enabled and you'll be able to play it whenever you want to as soon as it finishes downloading which is awesome because i used to have to wait until i get home to start to download and luckily i have a pretty fast connection but i know some people who don't and they have to wait like almost a day and a half to sometimes get their downloads to finish so i'm excited about that that's pretty dope yeah this is great i mean because there's nothing you know the, yeah there's the great thing about steam is yeah when a game comes out like whatever time it releases like 1201 it just unlocks and you literally play it the first minute of release day and then you stay up and you miss work so yeah yeah it's uh it's great i'm i'm, I'm glad that the consoles are finally getting up on this because it's literally the one thing that'll i feel like help people realize that digital is the way to go yeah i'm hoping that that's going to be 
what pushes people towards it. Um, I really haven't, honestly, I haven't bought any disc games besides Battlefield 4 and um, NBA 2K14 at this point. I bought uh, a couple of games basically digitally at this point and don't see the reason why I would do otherwise. Uh, it's funny because the way I kind of look at buying games now is the games that I know I don't care enough about, I will wind up buying them on a disc because then that way I can get some trade in value for it. But other games I know I'm going to wind up playing for a bit. Yeah. I'm probably just going to buy it digitally at this point. Cause it's so, it's so much easier to deal with. I think that's a, a cool way to, to kind of market it too. You know, you, you have all the space. You might as well just buy it digitally. If you can get it day, you know, you get it before most people do. You don't have to troop out to the store at a midnight launch. Yeah, absolutely. I want, I wonder how that's going to actually change that. I wonder if people are going to still do their midnight launches as much when digital sales become something um, more more, uh, more commonplace. So I wonder. I don't know. What do you think? I think there's enough people that still care about trade and value and don't just want to beat things and trade them that they'll be fine. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I don't imagine this going the way of the PC industry where physical just starts getting de-emphasized very heavily. Like, I think it's... This is, but this is a great option. But I think that, you know, given by the uproar that happened when Microsoft was announcing kind of digital own and not a coherent trading strategy, and mm-hmm. Sony doesn't have one either, you know, for their digital stuff. Well, like they have one, it's just like, like you can't trade it. <laughs> um, right. You know, like I think that there's more than, than enough people that care about trading that will still do these midnight launches and buy discs and go to GameStop and Best Buy and that kind of thing. Did you ever do midnight launches? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I, well, actually, what was the last one I did for a video? Well, I haven't done one for a video game in a long time, actually, because I've been all digital. I mean, the last time I did one for a video game was Smash Brothers Brawl for the Wii. Wow. Because I bought everything digital on the Wii U, um, everything digital on the 3DS, and of course the PC. I've been buying digital for a long time, so... So I uh, yeah yeah for for the most part I've I've been all digital for a while. That's pretty cool. Um, it's gonna be one of those things where I think people who have seen digital games move really really quickly. I wonder how the idea of trading in digital games, which which people have talked about before, you know, as being a concept that they want to try to get into. A lot of it has been on the Steam side of things. I wonder how that's going to actually work when that actually comes into play. If people will be able to trade their, you know, their console games digitally or will they be able to gift them to other people? Will it be like a a black market somewhere (laughs) where you'll be able to kind of do that? I think that'll be pretty dope if it actually comes to fruition. I I would love to see that. Yeah, I don't know, man, because so far there hasn't been any widespread Steam encryption cracking i mean there's definitely been some but you know if people on the pc haven't cracked steam after all these years if sony and microsoft are doing you know similar encryption levels i think they'll be pretty fine i mean there's always going to be hackers but i don't think it'll be to the point where it just doesn't make sense to pay for it because you can just go to some site and download a full quality version with no threat of anything um, yeah. I do have one question on this. So you can save it to USB, but do right. you still have to edit it in the Sony tools? So, you, so the beauty of being able to um, tri- push all that stuff to a USB drive is 
I think they're going to push it out in like MP4 format uh, as opposed to the way that they did it uh, when you had to basically go push it to Facebook. Like this is video specific, you know, push it out to Facebook and then you had to go into the, the, <laughs> the code basically and pull it back out if you wanted to edit it as opposed to the way the Xbox One does it where it'll send everything to your SkyDrive. What Sony is doing to kind of circumvent that is they actually for 1.7 debuted something that's going to be called Share Factory. Yeah. Uh, so Share Factory, I'm assuming, is going to be something where you can do kind of, you know, video editing and, and splash screens and, and voiceover commentary and picture in picture kind of stuff on the console itself. And then if you want to push it out to Facebook, you can uh, or I don't know if they ever said Twitter or YouTube yet, but you'll be able to push that that raw file or the edited file to a hard drive. So if you want to push that back up to your website or to something else, then you can. So that seems like that's going to be pretty cool. They, they put a video up, which we'll have in the show notes, um, and you'll be able to see exactly what they're talking about with that. Yeah, I think it's great. It even says you can add in like your own music, like you can do the picture in picture with the camera. So, yeah, I, th- I think this is great. Um, yeah. You know, this is definitely where they need to be going. I wonder, though, that was really interesting to hear the whole music part. That part, I want to see what they haven't talked about yet, because you can't burn CDs to your PS4 yet. It, don't, it doesn't even read CDs or music CDs. So I don't know if they're going to try to make you use your music unlimited store kind of stuff. I don't know how you're going to be able to integrate music into your own into your own videos. That's going to be really weird to see how they're going to pull that off. Yeah, and and then that would affect the YouTube uploads cuz you can't really mm. upload copyrighted. Well, like you can, but you have to it's it just makes it more difficult. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Copyrighted songs and that. Yeah. I, I did not think about that. Huh. So speaking of digital sales, we're going to go right into our Steam our Steam story, which is uh, there was an article on PC Gamer that you posted. Thank you, sir. Um, that talked about the list of the most popular and most untouched games on Steam. Damn. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know... It's a thing where, you know, Steam has so many sales and so cheap that there's so often times that you just buy games without playing them or you, or there's, you know, they have just loads and loads of games on their, uh, you know, on their um, on their service. So there's got to be some, you know, that don't get played. Right. Interestingly, though, I didn't think Skyrim would be the top game in terms of activity. Um, I totally thought that it would. I don't know, man. Well, I, well, well, well. As, as a non-Valve game, I mean, I, I think Dota two, uh, and Team Fortress two, and, and Counter Strike are above. But, but I didn't think in terms of non-Valve that Skyrim. I mean, I know a lot of people play it, but damn, like, right? Jeez, I've put so much time into Skyrim. You would not believe how much, how many hours I've actually put into Skyrim on multiple platforms at this point. Like, I think my final playthrough on my ps3 copy of skyrim was way over 120 hours which which is not crazy for some i know people who are 300 hours in that game Mm -hmm. but then i switched over to pc once i figured out that i could actually run it and make it look extra sexy and pretty Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then i put in probably another 50 hours on the pc side just with mods and then other stuff and replaying it because i again maybe i have an issue with sony products my my save got corrupted (laughs) (laughs) i just thought about that too is the reason why i had to switch because my save got corrupted god damn it what the hell 
Yeah. The fun. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I was. I was just saying it's a really interesting link. Um, there's some weird things about it though. Like it says that, um, you know, because it it kind of lists like the amount of things that are owned but like never played. Right. And like Portal Two had a significant amount of people that just owned it and never played it. And I don't remember that ever being given away free or anything like that. I mean, I know it's not like a sixty dollar game, but that kind of shocked me that that many people would have Portal um, um, and not play it. Um, I guess some people might have bought the orange box and for like Half-Life 2 and uh, Team Fortress mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. That's definitely possible, but wow. The the weird one for me actually was seeing that they said, well, you want to know what the most unplayed Steam game was? It's Half-Life 2 Lost Coast. That's weird to me, actually, because everyone talks about how awesome Half-Life is. And I will I will say this and try not to get beat up by the Internet, but I have never played through a full Half-Life game. Mm. And and I feel bad for saying it. I feel like I lose like massive gamer cred because of that. But I've never played through one or two. So when people are like, I want Half-Life three, I'm like. I don't even know what you want that for because I haven't <laughs> played the other. T- I haven't played the other two for. Yeah, it's two years. It's pretty good. I, I personally don't think it holds up well. Like I tried to play it uh, recently, maybe a couple of years ago, and I don't think it holds up well. But it definitely, as a story-based kind of slower-paced FPS, it definitely uh, has its place in history. But as yeah. far as a fun game that I would go back to, it's definitely not that for me. Yeah, I I tried to get into it and and for some reason it never really held my um held my attention. I have a weird thing about that too. Like I know people who wax nostalgic about the games they like to play often and um a lot of those games for me don't hold up like Final Fantasy 7 as we've talked about on this podcast a couple of times mm-hmm. is not my favorite game in the world and, and people love it and want to lay on it and <laughs> cuddle it. And I, I've never, I tried to play it. A friend of mine, you know, like beat me over the head and said, this is like a game that has changed gaming. And I can see how for where it was in the time frame of where gaming was at that point. But I was like, I'm tired of moving two pixels and getting into a goddamn fight. This shit is annoying. Yeah. Why do you want to play this? I don't understand it. And he was like, you don't get it. I'm taking your gamer card away. Oh, and I was like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. These, this bl- these blocky ass hands and this racist ass Barrett. I don't like him. <laughs> yeah. Um. An- another interesting part from the study was that they kind of do a breakdown of single player versus multiplayer for the Call of Duty games. Yeah. And I definitely expected multiplayer to far eclipse the single player. But the interesting thing was that the single player averages of hours are about 20 hours, which I don't quite get because that means that on average people went through that campaign like three times because it's about a six hour you know six seven hour campaign and i'm like either either that or they play on a really hard level because then i can see it because i think i think the people who play those games for long periods of time as far as the the single player goes those i think the people who have the really long play sessions are the people who are looking for trophies I think the trophy hunters are go yeah, trying to get that's it. That's a good point. Trophy hunters are trying to get it, and a lot of times to get all the trophies, you have to go through it on hard mode. And hard mode on any Call of Duty game is unreasonable, and it doesn't matter what you do. You stand behind cover, you get shot once, and you're dead, and you have to redo that whole section. Because yeah, Call of Duty games didn't really ever have really good checkpointing. Their checkpoint systems have always been bad, where you'll basically start off in a spot, and you'll automatically just get shot from a direction that you can't see. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I've I've had that happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know why that is, and that's that's really really bad. I don't like it. I wish they would fix that too, because they do the. I have some other games that have done that as well. Um, like Fallout Three did that, where I had a bad save, and I would pop up out of one of the tunnels. Uh, coming out of Washington D.C. and automatically running to these two dudes who would give me a conversation, and then the conversation would always end up in me getting shot by them. <laughs> it never changed. It would never change. It w- I would always get shot. It was like, "Hey, you tunnel rat, how are you?" And I was like, "Hey, I'm just walking over here trying to get some rat some some rations." Oh yeah, die. <laughs> that's <laughs> so fu- like, that's so funny because I have a bad spawn point in Washington D.C. too, in like Call of Duty too, when like you basically have to uh, assault the capital of D.C. Uh, there was a safe like like right where you come out of this tunnel, like you basically see like the capital. There's gunners everywhere, and mm-hmm. and I got this. There was some save point that hit like. As soon as I emerged from the tunnel, and every time I, 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 I restarted, I wouldn't make it to cover until I had like you know ten percent of my health left, and then usually somebody would just like pick me off before it like regenerates. So I had to like restart the mission, basically. The shitty part is like. If you're up above ground too, there's like nowhere to get, you know, because you know you can drink like dirty water and get some of your health back. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't even find any dirty water <laughs> to get my health back. I had no rashes, no nothing, no stim packs, no nothing. I was like, God damn it! Hey man, dirty water is a commodity, man. It's hard to come by. Dirty dog water and dirty DC Fallout water is the, the shit. It is the shit. Oh my god. Um. So speaking of getting shot. In Call of Duty, <laughs> mm. look at that transition. Mm. Uh, so, how would you like to have Snoop as the person that tells you that you just got shot in Call of Duty? Oh, uh, how does that make you feel? It depends. Is he just reading the lines that everyone else says, or is he using Snoop language to describe things? Um, I don't know. You know what? I'm gonna play a clip of him talking, and then we can judge for ourselves right after after we hear it. Okay? Squad member active. That's what's up. What up, though? My name is Big Snoop D-O-Double-G, and I'm here live and direct with the Call of Duty Ghost version, doing my voice. You dig? Check it out. Ballistic vest ready. Those are some fine-ass threads. You got that Spitfire drone now. We're here today recording Snoop, and he's doing the MP announcer package. Rack up points by reaching the enemy portal. You dig? What interests me the most about the project is that my voice can be connected with a with a game that's so hip and so hood. It says a lot. It's associated with greatness. Squad member active. A brother from another mother. Homies out the joint. It's party time. I think the writers did a good job on creating the lines for me, specifically for me. They knew my flavor, and they allowed me to, you know, do my thing and put a little Snoopism on top of it. Don't stop. Cap them and shank them. Yeah, Chris A. A lot of my homies get down. I mean, it's, it's like nine out of 10 rappers play this game. I know a lot of us are big fans because it's so real. They put you right in there. Like I say, it's the coolest game in the hood. All my homies play this game. Friendly Trinity Rocket sound and inbound. All right, so what did you think about that? Uh, It's so fucking weird, man, that I like it. It's so really? weird. It's, it's like... Call of Duty has been such a safe franchise that I feel like this is so weird that I have to support it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb and so weird and so odd. Like, 
it was one thing when Ice Cube was in Black Ops because he he wasn't like an exaggerated black dude. Like he was as exaggerated as everyone else in the show, and he right. wasn't like, "Yo, check yourself before you wreck yourself," you know, like uh, in the uh, <laughs> multiplayer matches. But Snoop, you made it through. You made it through this level. It was a good day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, Snoop is definitely laying it on real. Like I can imagine him in the room with all these white kind of markers like all right we just really want you to lay it on thick snoop we really want you to throw all the izzles and nizzles and everything because he is like he just sounds like a parody of himself the part that really see i kind of mini ranted on twitter about this and i didn't get any traction i was hoping other people would kind of jump in and and be like yeah i'm mad too but the thing that bothered me was when he said in the, the the clip it feels like they wrote this just for me, which they did. And then they, he tra- it's like he said, they wrote it for me, knowing that I would totally be down for this kind of sort of thing. And and it's like, like you just said, who is who are the people who are writing these lines for him? It's like saying, I'm going to make this caricature of you because I know the way that you speak in the way that you want to portray yourself in this game and how they would kind of mesh and it feels weirdly just like another cash grab of people who don't care about black culture or hip hop culture being able to, to like pull something out of nowhere and say, well, this is what it is. We want you to say these lines. And he's like, I will thug this will do it. I'm totally down. I'll like totally put my name attached to this when I sound like an asshole talking about you got these tactical vests. Da-da-da-da-da. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That makes no sense. And the fact that he's not even delivering his lines well, he's delivering lines of something that supposedly he would say, and he sounds like he's on the bathroom toilet, like talking into a mirror. Like he sounds like the worst Snoop understudy ever. He's like, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah, You know, that's pretty interesting. I, I, I didn't think about it as the theft from black culture aspect of it, because this is to me, at least this is how he sounds nowadays. Like, it's a parody, but it's not like, I don't feel like this is exaggerating how he sounds on records. Like, he sounds like a fool, as like <laughs> a 40-year-old guy <laughs> rapping about gangbanging and still uh, talking like Izzles and Shizzles and shit. Like, I feel I, like, this, like I, if he wrote his own stuff, I don't feel like it would be that different from what this is. I feel, Am I jumping the shark a little bit, though? Like, if I am, you can call me out on it. Like, I don't know. It feel it feels dirty. It, it it really feels gross. Not even the fact that, that him attaching himself to it, because you're right, he has gone through seven thousand changes in his career, which you you know, based on money, you would you would hope that people who are of the caliber of celebrity that he is, even if he's not in the spotlight right now, you know, he's done his Snoop Lion thing, he's done the other stuff. But it feels like a weirdly gross kind of like I'm going to dirty myself in this by putting, attaching myself to a series or a game or a product that I really don't give a fuck about. But he said that all his friends in the hood play it. I mean, all the, all the homies play it. <laughs> yeah. All the homies play it. I mean, all the homies play call of duty. No, no. My, my favorite part was that he said that he likes it because it's so real. It's so, it's so hood. It just represents the streets. Call he's, of like, duty. It's, he's like, he's like, it's so hood. It's so hood. I don't remember that ever being in the hood. You're in motherfucking Afghanistan. Yeah. There's I, hoods in Afghanistan, but it's I, not the same hoods. I guess that part in, I forgot which Call of Duty, where when like you're in the favelas of uh, Brazil. 
I guess that's the closest you get. <laughs> he was do- the closest he's been to the hoods of of in the in the favelas of of uh, Brazil is when he was doing a beautiful video with Pharrell. Oh my goodness! And there was no hoodness right there in those pity in the, in those parts. I don't believe him. He's a fibber. Yeah, you, you know, I I don't know, man. I can see your angle, but I just think that like Call of Duty is boring. It's been boring for a long time. They need to do weird stuff to get themselves to get people thinking about them again, especially now with Battlefield out. And, like, they're, I mean, with uh, Titanfall out, they're really lucky that Battlefield 4 has had all these issues so that, you know, that, like, Call of Duty has kind of stayed as the stable, like, game that we're all familiar with or whatever. But I don't know, man. I really support them do weird shit. And, like, Snoop, he's led his voice to millions of other things. Like, he's done... Like, he's been on wrestling. He's done other, like, games, you know. You have a point. You totally have a point on that. He's been on shows. Like, he, this is kind of where he is in his career. Like, he's like, I'm going to lend the Snoop personality out that I've built up, you know. So, so I, I, I don't know. I, I think this is clearly him. I don't think, yeah, I, I don't think this is, like, somebody aping him or taking from him. I think this is kind of who he is. I mean, I don't really like it. I don't like where his career has gone, but you know, hey, he's banking off of you know off of what he's done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, am I gonna? Depending on how much kind of this is, am I gonna buy it? I don't know, man. If it goes on sale on Steam, I'll see. You. See, this is the thing. I, I know might you're, reinstall. <laughs> you're gonna get. You're gonna do it. I know you are. No, I, <laughs> well, it it depends on how much it is because I d- definitely don't have a season pass for Call of Duty. So if it's like you know five dollars which i doubt it will be i'm pretty sure it'll be like a 15 20 thing i wish that they were gonna do it though they were gonna do it full snoop and they give like the full gambit of snoop of like old snoop old snoop medium snoop and then like new and improved snoop in yeah. the lines they it, it doesn't fit it feels like knowing and seeing his career because the funny thing is I, I i'm thinking again like why am i mad or why did it make me mad and i don't care i don't give two shits about snoop <laughs> but it but it really feels weirdly gross. It feels again like one of those weird like mixing of the cultures that I I, I know that I, I advocate for it and I like we should all be together and stuff. But it feels weird. I don't know. It's yeah. a bad it's a bad thing. I don't know why I feel that way. Yeah. Well, sorry. Get over it, Ka. You're just, you're just mad because they didn't pick pick you for the voice back. I mean, I could totally say tactical vests, bitches. <laughs> you know, like, well, like, what, is, what am I? Yeah, I don't have a cool. I don't have a cool line. Maybe that's what I need. I need a cool line. Brother from another mother. <laughs> Brother, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How you it's, doing, Captain? It's so bad. It's so bad that I, I know because it's like, what do oh, you know? God. Like, of all the people to say all the things, it's like you got to pick the thug thizzle, dude. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oi! All right, all right, all right. Um, so watchdogs. Uh, Ubisoft, I'm sorry, Ubisoft at their Paris event started some controversy this week uh, by giving journalists Nexus 7 tablets as a thank you to be like, hey, you came to our press event. Here's a gift. Here's a Nexus 7. And people on the internet lost their shit. And it was really uh, kind of interesting to see how people fell on both sides of this issue. Um, So during the event, uh, I guess right at the end, uh, they had given people a walkthrough. They let people play Watch Dogs. And I'm thinking that to do some of the companion uh, app stuff, they gave people Nexus 7 tablets to play along. 
But people on Neil Gaff and other sites, they said, you know, you people talk about our journalistic integrity all the time in the gaming community. And by you accepting these gifts, whoever these journalists were, you're basically giving our audiences ways to, set, to basically call us onto the carpet if we don't give that game and if we if we give that game an amazing review. And I don't know, I, I, f- I feel kind of weird about that. I don't I don't know exactly what to think on all ends of it. Do you have any thoughts on that, Ree? Yeah, I mean, I think people are kind of blowing this up a little more than it should be. Journalists mm-hmm. get f- flown out to place. They get stuff worth way more than a Nexus 7. Right. Like, to see these games. So right. I don't think a $200 tablet is going to sway anybody's view. I, mean, <laughs> I think people tend to think of the mentality if they got this. Like, if right. they getting nothing from a game company got a $200 tablet, then they would freak out. Like, these right. guys get, like, sent to all these places to get these exclusive things. They get food. So, so some of them get hotels. I mean, I know, that's, I, I know that there are a lot of, like, journalists that do kind of decline all that stuff and do it on their own dime, but not all of them. Right. You know? So it's like, I don't feel like a $200 tablet is really, it's, it's more of a PR nightmare than anything. <laughs> Sure. Like, it's really not going to affect a journalist that you trust their senses and you know that they're getting all this other shit that adds up to way more than $200. Right. But I think from a a publicity standpoint, that's the fucked up thing. And I did see that um, Ubisoft UK sent out a tweet saying that, you know, this was not in line with our PR policies. So it seems like even the corporate office wasn't even aware. Wow. Okay. Of of, uh, this. So, yeah. So it's kind of, it's, it's like more of a, you know, of a uh, PR thing and the, you know, that kind of thing. than like anything. I don't think it's really a integrity thing just because they get so much other stuff. I mean, I would, <clears throat> I would hope that people would think more of the journalists themselves as well. You know, I, we're we're a small outfit. You know, it's like two two and a half people at Spawn Point, um, and I, you know, we've never really we haven't gotten big enough yet where we have people giving us free things. We have to work pretty hard to get anything um, ahead of schedule or pre pre launch or anything like that. And if someone gave us you know, something or as a, as a gift or, or flew us out somewhere. I think that my ability to glean any information and make those decisions in a, in a really, uh, I don't, I don't even know if I can say it in a, in an objective way, uh, because I think everyone brings their own biases into whatever game is that they play. I think that that's kind of important. Um, because then it gives people a better basis to believe you later on. Um, so you it would take a lot more than just a $200 piece of tech just to sway my opinion. My opinion is pro- is pretty much already set after I've played the played the actual uh game or or been to the actual event. So uh, it's it's kind of weird to hear that people are like, "Oh, they just gave him some for free and then this is going to sway it." Like I think Watch Dogs at this point, no matter what happens, is going to be damned if you do, damned if you don't on the people who are reviewing that. You're yeah. going to be in a weird position either way, because if it's good and you say it's good and you went to that event or they know that you went to that event because, you know, there are people who are going to look it up. Yep. Um, people are going to say that they swayed you with the with a gift. <clears throat> and even if you didn't and it's, you know, and people are like, it's bad. You know, what are those people going to say? There's nothing really else that you can do in that in that position. Right. 
No, I agree. It's a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing, um, which is why they just shouldn't have gave out the tablets. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, like like no one's going to complain about, as I said, the flights or hotels or food or whatever, you know, but a tablet's like a tangible thing that you can just take a photo of and say, hey, they gave me a tablet. I mean, you know? also, but I think, like, supposing that, you know, Watch Dogs is a game where we talk about the connectedness of the world that, that that player is supposed to be in and all the technology that is supposed to be available to the player. Um, the companion app, whenever that winds up coming out, supposing you don't have that, suppose you don't have a place to, to use that companion app. Can you run a full review knowing that you don't have that one connected part to it? I'm, I'm noticing um, within... Uh, uh, infamous second son with the paper trail uh, games that they have out or paper trail missions I should say you have to you know you have to have a computer basically to enact or, or, or to to, uh, to to play those particular parts of the game and supposing you I know it's hard to say but supposing you didn't have a, a machine to use it and that DLC comes out and you want to review it where are you going to get the hardware to do that with you don't have it I don't think the companion app should ever be part of a review of a game no no, not not even it's part a separate, of the, it, like the review should be on the core game, like like what the customer experience will be plopping in the game and playing it. It shouldn't involve any kind of extra, you know, like Assassin's Creed shouldn't talk about their app, which is actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the Battlefield app, you, you know, like what commander mode on the tablet. Like, I don't think any of that should ever be part of the review. That's all separate. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about games where the online parts of it are the the the, the basis of the game. And Watchdogs, to a certain extent, you know, supposing the servers are shitty when that when it comes out, which you know that happens all the time. Um, but what happens when those parts of the game happen, and you have to do a review? I wonder how that's going to play itself out. I don't know how much again the companion stuff plays into the experience of the of the main game because no one has touched it yet. But I think getting getting upset at the people who took this particular gift, I don't think yeah. that necessarily is helpful as w- either. But I will say, if it pays, if it plays that much into the main experience of the game, then that's a negative on the game to me. Because yeah, not everyone a has step. a tablet. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, like that to me, that would be a huge negative if I was like, like reviewing the game and I felt like, man, to really enjoy this, I have to have a Nexus Seven. Nope. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know that would. I'm not saying it would get an entirely negative like review. But that would definitely be a negative attribute. To me. Yeah, I totally didn't think about it that way. That's a good point. That's a very, very good point. Yeah, it should stand up on its own, and all that other stuff should be extra. That's the reason why we have you on this show, Reef. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Bringing the goodness, the goodness, the goodness. That um, good, good. Serving up this good, good. That good, good. Uh-huh. So what we're going to do is we're going to run off real quick and we're going to take a music break, our wonderful music break, uh, and we're going to be back in about two minutes. I know you're pissed, cause all of your shots even missed the backboard when strange. Stand out like chalk on blackboards. I see them performing, the crowd acts good. Come see the far side in rare form. Way above the norm, and we just getting warm. We just getting warm, and everybody knows. Your brain is the fool, man. Come on in and sit on down and listen to the sound of Molly and Brown. Rhythmic interaction, bending all around, and the word is satisfaction. Feel it, Strawberry cheesecake, the lemon meringue, and your whole gang is hilarious. 
just can't see. For all of the trees just can't see. The city for all of the buildings. We keep building until the ending. Everybody wants to knock two tokes on the pot, half of my rhymes, I forgot, everybody talks hot, mine is scarred like a back of the SP-12, another hour's been shelled, parties and ghettos and streets are where we dwell, did you recoup, all oh, well, low budget hotel, promoters with a tall tail, how many technique turntables did they sell, how many MC do the technicalities, I don't bet, whatever makes a Tupac and Biggie, Imani is my nigga, from Kid Rock to get a jiggy, we all got the illness, can't see the can't kill this, can't kill this, if you diss rock him, Chris, Hey everybody, we are back from our music break. That joint that you just heard, which was so ridiculously dope, I'm a huge Tribe fan and a, Har- and a Far Side fan. Um, that one was called It Ain't Nothing Like, oh, I'm sorry, ain't, It Ain't Nothing Like, uh, coming from the Bizarre Tribe album, which is a mashup of both the uh, uh, Far Side uh, joint and the Midnight Marauders uh, album, uh, which I love. I love both of them with my whole heart. I love them both. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the, well, that beat is from People's Instinctive. Mm-hmm. That's the luck of Lucian, but... But uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 a dope mix. It's it's a real dope mix. Yeah. Definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, they totally seem to go together. It feels feels so good, so so good. Um, so Sharif is our Nintendo correspondent. I feel like we should. I, I need to not call you the Nintendo correspondent because you do actually play a lot of different things. You just don't play Nintendo stuff. And since you got theme music last time, you're not going to get it again this time because oh man, because you because you you feeling it a little bit too hard. Sending me text messages talking about I yeah, got I got theme music. Dope. <laughs> I was texting everybody. Yo, go to this minute mark and then turn it on. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's dirty. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. No, we're supposed to tell everybody to listen to the whole show. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Um. So, <laughs> Nintendo has been releasing Virtual Console stuff for a long time. Um, and it seems like the GBA games are what people are saying are working really, really well on the Wii U. I didn't think that that was actually going to be the case, but it seems like the way that you can not remote play because it's not really remote play, but the way that things translate from the small screen on your tablet seem to go really well with the way the GBA games look and feel. Um, have you played any GBA games on, on your Wii U? Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, they look really good. I mean, the GBA resolution just just scales up really well to the Wii U tablet resolution. Um, I haven't played any of these on the actual TV yet. I've only played them on the gamepad. Um, but man, they not only do they look really good, and I think I think a lot of people don't forget how powerful the GBA was for its time because it's like significantly you know, more powerful than the Super Nintendo, obviously, since it came out like 10 years later. Mm-hmm. But because it still had that 16-bit quality of look, 
a lot of people, I think, forget about how powerful it was. So there's some pretty impressive effects for 16-bit games on there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, let, let, like, they look good. I mean, the GBA music was always okay, so, like, they don't necessarily have that great sound, um, except for a couple games. I mean, the WarioWare games always had good music and stuff, but it's more like the look. I was kind of shocked. I was expecting it to be much more pixelated um, and look much more dated. Um, but they actually look, they look pretty good for, you know, games that came out in like 2001. Yeah. You know? I never had a, I never had a GBA that, I, oh, that was one of those things I was kind of, we were, I was kind of past that point, not necessarily past it, but I never really had a, a way to have a handheld. I never really had a Game Boy. I think the first handheld I actually had was, I think I had a 3DS when they first came out. Mm-hmm. Um and played a couple of games on that, but besides that, I never really had a, a, a Game Boy or a Game Boy Advance. They I used to get hyped though when I saw other people with their Game Boy colors and stuff, and they used to be oh, they yeah, used to be yeah. super hyped because I was like, "Yo, that I never had dope. that." I, no, I, I I went right from I had a Game Boy and then I didn't get anything until the Game Boy Advance, so I didn't get any of those million different mini and color and whatever. Yeah, but 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 yeah, no it. it it looks really good, and the thing that I'm more excited about than the looks is I feel like Nintendo, hopefully, their release strategy has changed a little bit because it's only been out for two weeks, right? and they've already released five like of their top, top GBA games in two weeks, right? and the thing that sucked about the Virtual Console is they release games so slowly, and they usually only release one game a month maybe that's worth anything like uh they you know i i can see their strategy they like try to mix in a bunch of crappy games and one good one Mm -hmm. i guess but but with the gba it's been two weeks and you already got advanced wars f-zero which i have played advanced wars is pretty dope yeah yeah um warioware metroid fusion and golden sun which are like five of their like you know highest selling, most kind of reputable games, and, and they're kind of I feel like they're front loading the virtual console with this, mm-hmm. and I really hope they continue with this because I don't think they've I don't think it makes sense. I mean, I haven't seen their numbers about how much money they actually make off the service, but why not front load it? Like, why not you know start by releasing all your top games and then trickle out the other ones to get people to buy into the service. And then people would be more likely to buy a game that might be might not be great, but like they'd be like, oh well, you know, like whatever, you you know, I've already been kind of satisfied with these excellent games. I'll take a chance on this crappy game. I mean, I think the beauty of the whole Nintendo ecosystem is the fact that they have a crazy amount of titles. It's just weird that, like you said, you you hope that they start pushing stuff out because they have. A ridiculous amount of, of of games that are under their stable, and it seems like they always are holding them back for some strange reason. It's not like it's not like you couldn't already figure out how to move them from one platform to another. You would just expect them to do what they do with like a mame <laughs> mame collection kind of deal and just push them all out. I don't see why they keep holding stuff. They have the titles that that people have been asking for for decades at this point, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I mean, they're just now. Like they just dropped like Super Mario Three on the Virtual Console, like just now. Really? 
Yeah, and like I'm, I'm like this is like I, I guess you're trying to hold back like the crown jewel of the Nintendo Entertainment System, but they don't have they don't, don't have that anymore, do they? I, I, I would have dropped that joint like really quickly. Like I, it, it just doesn't make it. Like I understand that they feel like if they release everything at once, then they won't have anything else to like release, but. I don't know. I don't see any other service like holding back stuff. Like, a pe- pe- if you drop everything at once, it doesn't mean people will buy everything on the first day. Like, right? Because like there are other ways to promote things and have sales or say, hey, like Mario 3D World is like coming out. So 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 like let's have a bundle pack where if you buy that for five dollars more, like you get you know these four virtual console games. Like, there's other ways to promote instead of having new stuff come out and i feel like they've been relying on let's just hold back the purchase of it and with the gpa already kind of coming out with these top games in the first two weeks i'm hoping that you know that this is something that continues because i think it's a real boon for it i mean i was legitimately excited about the virtual console for the first time in a long time yeah it seems it seems also kind of weird that that they would just not think about doing what other system, not systems, other services have already done. You know, uh, Xbox would have their, you know, featured game of the week or whatever. And Sony was doing a whole bunch of crazy stuff with PS plus and they would do like weekly sales. They have a weekly store update. You could totally drop a game a week and people would one, look forward to it every week just to get hyped for whatever was coming out next. You can even do a whole bunch of, cool PR moves with that and, and, and have like silhouetted, you know, characters from games and, and then say, you're going to drop it the next week. And people who, who are Nintendo fans are unbelievably loyal. Like they, they will buy stuff just on GP anyway, you know, and say, Oh, yeah. Oh, you just put that out. Oh, word. I might as well just copy it. Even though I've copied it like seven times already. And I have an emulator running on my phone, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, you, you don't, there is no lose on a Nintendo side, it just makes me wonder what the differences are in the back rooms that people are just like, no, we're just going to hold it. It doesn't really make yeah. any sense to me. I think they're they're just stubborn, man. They they have an idea about doing things, and they're 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 very old school. I mean, they've been around for almost a hundred years, you know, like the company, and it's a family run company, so they're very like set in their ways. Yeah. Um, one other uh, really interesting thing from the article was the fact that they've, you know, a lot of times when you translate one game from one system or one platform to another, usually there's not parity when it comes to uh, control schemes. And it seems like they've already just implemented or said that you can basically use multiple different button configurations. And if you want to use yeah. your pro controller, you can. So I like that idea. That's really, really smart. I'm having that issue with a lot of PC games where um, sometimes you can't map things to your controller the way you'd want. Um, yeah, which is another thing that I would think that uh, on the PC side they would have figured out by now. There's got to be some universal way to do that, but I mean with Pro Patter and and Xpad Xpatter, I think, and some other stuff. But you, Nintendo being kind of future thinking in that respect is is nice to see. Yeah, they they've uh, definitely been pretty good at that, and they've been pretty good about like they basically let, you know they have sort of a emulator feature where like you can save it anywhere. You know, like uh, you don't have to rely on the actual saving of the that's included in the game. You can like auto save a state kind of anywhere in the game and restore from anywhere in the game. So, you know, so like they, you know, they're 
they're getting there. I feel like it's really just the frequency of releases. I mean, you know, and of course, to me, the holy grail would be for them to offer like a subscription service. But I really, if if they haven't offered it yet, yeah, if if they haven't offered it yet, I don't know what'll get them to do it because that's something that I think would not only get them a jump on, you know other people in the video game industry on the other companies and I think would force them to catch up and do something like that. But I don't know. I think that would be a boon for them, but man, it's, it's just been, they've been doing it this one way for so long that I I don't know if I could see them. I don't know what would change them. The only thing that might change them is the fact that they've been, you know, missing these sales forecasts for the Wii U, but I don't think a virtual console would necessarily fix that. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing. What do you think about the price? Because I saw they were doing like eight bucks per game. Uh, I think the prices are. I mean, they they definitely could be a little lower, um, but they haven't been prohibitive to me. Like, I don't think if you already have a Wii U, I don't think that like you're going to be like, man, I I, I would have bought this if it was five dollars. You know? <laughs> like, it's. I feel like comments like that are more reserved from people that are outside the ecosystem. It's like the same thing. Like I feel like if like you have like a iPhone, if there's something that's one ninety nine, even though something else is ninety nine cents, I'm like it's two dollars, yo. Like, I don't know though. There's like a just get it. I don't know. It's just weird. It. it depends. There is a total um, like price to entry thing on certain games as opposed to other ones that are like I will pay this ninety nine cents because this is basically throwaway, and I'm trying to figure out if I like the experience as opposed to games that I already understand and know and have had some time with and I'm trying to figure out if I want to have that experience again for this price. When I when I already in my mind know that I can get that at, in other places for cheaper and or free. See, I think the cost benefit analysis that Nintendo does though is I think my guess is that they think that if someone wants to play, if somebody has a Wii U and wants to play Metroid Fusion, right, right, right. whether it's two dollars or six dollars, they're gonna buy it. <laughs> like the price isn't gonna deter people that are already in the ecosystem from buying the game that they really want. It might deter people that have never played it before, right? But I think that the nature of people that are Nintendo fans is that they've played these games already or they're at least familiar because most of their franchises are pretty old. They're at least somewhat familiar with what the experience is. So it's a little different from Apple or Android where these are games that you've never heard of. They're from companies that you've never heard of and you're a little wary of, well, I'll spend 99 cents, but like, that's about it. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that like they say like that, like we want to get the maximum amount of money from people that, we know are going to buy it. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I think that, especially since they have some, you know, like, like Super Nintendo games that are around that $7 mark either. And I know that the GBA came out after it, but Super Nintendo was still a home console with bigger games and longer development times and that kind of stuff. So I think that the portable game should be, you know, 2 or $3 max. That sounds, that um, sounds more reasonable to you me. Know, uh, but that's me as a gamer, as a business person, I might be like, well, I know Sharif's going to buy Metroid Fusion, so why not put it at $6? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I kind of think that that's the call that they're making, that they're betting that there's more people like that in the Nintendo ecosystem than 
are people that would be really that price conscious about something that they're either nostalgic about or they trust the brand. It's so weird because I've always been under the impression that if you do things that are cost beneficial to people off the bat and you keep consistent with that, then people will already just understand that that's a part of your business model and they'll continue to deal business with you. Um, It's always been my idea of like, you know, sneakers are really expensive if you buy Nikes or whatever. And they're like a hundred to two hundred dollars, depending upon the, the specific kicks when I don't know if you can even use this as a, as a as a comparative kind of discussion. But, you know, Starberries, when they came out, didn't look that bad as far as like being kicks. And they were like 30 bucks. And, right. and you could totally buy like seven pairs of Starberries as right. opposed to like two pairs of Nikes. But people who understood or who, who felt like if your if your game is at a certain price, you know, that happened with the, the uh, NBA, I'm sorry, NFL 2K5, uh, 2K5, when they went out and dropped their game to 20 bucks, people felt that the price didn't necessarily reflect a certain level of quality and right. how that works. I wonder how on the GBA side... If you weren't just going to put everything at like two bucks, you wouldn't get more money on the back end knowing you get it in volume as opposed to getting the the specific people that you get at the six dollars. Yes. Yeah, I really I really don't think three times as much people would buy it. Hmm. Like like I, I, I just don't believe that there's like that many people that are waiting to pull the trigger <laughs> that, you know that want to play this game have we used waiting to pull the uh, trigger but won't because it's too expensive i just i i just don't believe for this specific market that that would be the case what's a, what's a game that you have wanted to play on maybe a gba for a long long i mean a gba game that you want to play for a long time uh that isn't already out and what would be the most that you would pay for it oh man do, do, um, do, do. Well, to be honest, WarioWare, the first one, was something that I was really looking forward to because I had that game for my DS because the original DS had the GBA slot in it. Yeah. And I would play it a lot <laughs> because that <laughs> game is awesome. Yeah. Um, um, but as far as the games that haven't come out yet, um, I mean, as as I said, they've already dropped like Advance Wars and these games. I'd have to think about that. Yeah. Um, like the games that haven't come out yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd I'd have to think a little bit more about that. Um, cause, 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 like, like I haven't played Golden Sun, and like I didn't buy it. Right. Um, but no. All right. So, uh, Zelda, like the Minish Cap. Ha, uh, okay. Okay. Which is usually said as better than a lot of the console kind of zeldas i would definitely pay a little more for that you know i would i probably wouldn't pay over ten dollars right but like i think anything under ten dollars is like fine for me oh and they released the mario and luigi the superstar saga so like the 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 first portable mario rpg game also came out last week too i forgot about that okay um so uh yeah yeah i i I probably wouldn't go too far above um ten dollars i would pay ten dollars even and no more if they packaged every Fire Pro Wrestling game <laughs> and put it out on the Wii U because I love Fire Pro Wrestling. And the, <laughs> it's sad because the, the creator of Fire Pro Wrestling died a couple of weeks ago. Oh, but um, I would totally spend 10 bucks or a little bit more for a Fire Pro Wrestling bundle because I love those games. They're stupid and ridiculous, but they're amazing. Mm. Word, word, word. Um, 
So our our last story for this show, episode 10, we're going to talk about there was a panel at PAX that was run by Patrick Klepek and Zoe Quinn. Uh, Patrick Klepek of Giant Bomb and Zoe Quinn, the creator of numerous games, but her most famous game is called Depression Quest uh, that lets you take part in the story of a of a character who is learning about uh, his or her depression. Um, just go, it's like a point and click kind of deal where you kind of go through a story and, and I played it the other day and it, it actually, for the first time made me, uh, really think about some, some ways about the way I think about my own personal self, which I think is the, the, the crux of those kinds of games. Um, but they had a panel that, that was called, we don't want to basically, we don't want to let the internet jerks win and this is how you can help. Um, it was about an hour long, I think. It was about an hour long, maybe. Yeah, it was about an hour. Uh, it was really, really good. It was great to see how both of them have both talked about their places in the gaming world. Patrick being a journalist, having what he talked about is his 50,000 Twitter followers that he didn't really think about mm-hmm. in, until you know he was being harassed by by lots of them. Um, not just them, but other people on various forums of YouTube and, and some people in the giant bomb community and outside of that. And, uh, he talked a lot about, you know, how trolling will affect him, how trolling affects the people around him, his family, how, how it gets to him, even though you, you think you have a tough skin, but you know, being human <laughs> things, things like that will absolutely affect you, absolutely affect you. And he talked about how during the passing of passing of his father and then later on Ryan Davis, um, how the last two years have been pretty heavy on him and how people have used those uh, circumstances to kind of get at him. And that was, that was really hard to hear. Cause you know, you know, we're, we've all been on the internet mostly since its inception at this point, we've seen a lot of transition between, you know, the, the early net and now now, and now what's gone and transpired now where everyone has a voice and everyone has a soapbox and you can basically say any and everything that you've ever wanted to say and how there's not really lots of repercussions for what you do, uh, except for maybe banning out of a forum or unless you say some stupid crap on Twitter and the, and the FBI rolls up on your house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There isn't a lot of repercussions for what you, what you say, you know, if you're being negative in the, in the world of the internet. Um, and, and Zoe then chimed in with, you know, a lot of comments that she got after uh, pushing out depression quest. One, she's a woman in the industry and there's a lot of women in the industry who constantly just get crazy threats and everything, you know, even not even being in the industry, just being a woman, period, get get a lot of crazy uh, people saying things about you and to, and to you and how she kind of gave some examples of what got her through. You know, one story that I really, really liked was the one that she talked about going up on top of a building and getting this bank filled with glitter and throwing it off the top of the building. Yeah. As, as a way to just vent out some vent off some steam, um, uh, you know. There are a lot of a lot of bits and pieces to how that all works. What did you, what did you think of the uh, of the panel? I mean, I thought the panel was great. Um, though I thought it was funny that Patrick both. I've seen this a couple of times. He never he loves mentioning he has fifty three thousand followers. He he he, <laughs> which I think is like a little weird. Um, but no, I, I I thought it was a good panel. I thought that um, he was very honest about times when he participated in similar in like kind of the same 
lashing out methodology that he's kind of, you know, an advocate against because we're kind of all human and sometimes we do have those reactions. Right. Um, so I thought that it was, I thought the panel did a good job of not trying to appear like holier than thou and like, we don't do this and it's only this subset of people because I think almost everyone does it at least a couple of times. I'm totally yeah, there's some people sometimes. Y- yeah. I mean, there's some people that are definitely experts at it, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and are miserable pieces of crap. Um, but for the most part, everybody does it. So I feel like the panel was good about that. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I always think that honestly, this is kind of the culture of the internet, whether it's anonymous or names. I mean, like Patrick's made the point that you know, even sites that have Facebook sign in and stuff, it doesn't completely eliminate that right. kind of just viciousness. Um, you know, I feel like it's something that's always going to exist. As sad, as cynical as that sounds, and I feel like it all comes down to moderation. I think you have to like have a really heavy hand when it comes to that yeah, stuff. Yeah, um, I know I'm part of a couple of uh, communities, and like one that comes to mind is uh, uh, gamers with jobs, uh, where their forums are like. I mean, you almost never see that kind of like just trolling because they get rid of people really fast, right? And, like, they have sort of a list of terms, and they say, hey, like, read these. And, you know, once you create that username, it's pretty much like you get maybe one shot. Maybe. Right. You, you know, if, and, and, and I guess one shot if it seems accidental. If it's something that's, like, <laughs> obvious, it's like you're just done. You know, I really feel like that's what it comes down to. I feel like you really need... If you want to be able to make your community and, you know, giant bombs, I mean, I don't know. I think there's definitely some trolling choice stuff on their forums and stuff, too. But I feel like if you really want to minimize that, you really have to have somebody who's not just part time looking over the forums and making sure things aren't going on. Because I feel like it's more as a user of these communities, I want to know that the site is putting the best possible effort in not necessarily that there's no instance of trolling whatsoever because there's always going to be but if i feel like the site is trying then i'm more apt to deal with it if i feel like the comments are just the wild west and they just let everything go through that's what kind of drives me away from certain from certain sites yeah i we've we've tried to do a really good job at least on spawn point um because we don't get lots of comments on our stories to be honest uh, we'd like for you guys to comment more on the stories. That would be great. Comment more, please. Um, but there was one particular story that we put on the site uh, early on in the site, like two years ago, that uh, referenced uh, Sherry Genics and 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 a an incident of not necessarily it wasn't racism, but it was basically you know she she wasn't racially sensitive uh, towards this one particular group, and that was that to this day is the biggest story that's ever been on small point, which I feel kind of sad about, but yeah. I understand why it was so, um, so heated. And I made a conscious choice, conscious choice in the beginning to let the comments kind of run. Um, cause I moderate all the comments on the site. I have blocked numerous comments and I have let lots of comments go through in the effort to do exactly what they talked about in, the panel, which was, you know, sometimes you need to have people, you don't want to censor people's thoughts 
because that's not fair either. And you kind of want to let things go so you can hopefully see other people stand up and say, you know, that's not okay. Um, and to, to the credit of most of the people who actually were in that particular story and other ones that I've seen that I've, that we've run, um, people have been like that. People have said, you know, you shouldn't say that that's not right. You know, uh, someone please either ban this dude or, or, or woman and, and take those people's words out of, out of the mix. And I think, you know, to, to the panel's credit, they discussed some ways of, of trying to get people to be held accountable and it's only going to be done via other people in that community, either, either longtime listeners, readers, or people who are new to the site and, and who aren't tolerant of people being trolled like that. It was, it was actually funny to hear Zoe say, well, not funny, but it was really, really cool to hear her say, you know, don't call them trolls, call them harassers, you know, cause that's what they, that's what they're doing. They're harassing people. Yeah. You wouldn't say these things to people in, in, in personal space and in your face, you would never say these things to people like that. Yeah, that's true. And, and she brought up a, an amazing and really great point. And, um, it was, it was a great panel. I really, really enjoyed it. I hopefully will have either or Patrick or Zoe. I would love to have Zoe on this show. Um, to just talk about her games and what she's up to. Cause she does really, really cool work, a uh, really cool work. Um, but it was it was also really fun to see, you know, what their coping mechanisms were and and try to push those things out as far as like uh, Zoe said something about do something ridiculous, you know, do something ridiculous just to just to get out of the the mindset of being, you know, in that space mentally. And I think that yeah. totally works. I think trying to diffuse things by just saying, you know, that doesn't you know, why, why, why be like that? totally works i've done it on numerous occasions and it absolutely works do you you have some i know you don't really have that much trolling on your on your shows and on your um and on your site um but have you come across some stuff like that where you've helped to diffuse or you've seen people diffuse things like that Uh, i've definitely seen other people diffuse it um i guess i'm more of the opposite where I, i think it's really up to the site owner to diffuse it i mean it's great if other people do it but i think that the if you run a environment, I feel like you have to police it. Like you have to, you know, and like whether it's a hard hand or a soft one, there has to be some sort of policy that says, if you do this, this happens. If you do this, this happens. Like, cause the shit just goes wild. Like I haven't had that happen on any communities I moderate. Right. Um, I've had a lot of spam. But like, <laughs> spam but like, loves us, boy. But like I haven't had like outright, you know. I no, I get more of that on Twitter, where where I get sometimes I get people that will that I've never heard of that will just reply to me and say, "Hey, screw you for uh, you know supporting uh, that uh, anti-religious Cosmo show or something like that." You know, I've definitely gotten a lot of that. Um, I've gotten a lot of stuff when certain people that I'm friends with have been sort of under attack, and I've kind of tweeted a message to support them. Right. And then I get like all these other people that I guess just do nothing but search their mentions and <laughs> do that. So I've gotten that on Twitter. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite as much of a fan as the organic let it solve itself thing in an in internet community. Yeah. Um, I've just seen it get too ugly. Yeah. And then there's other people that just feed it. It definitely turns into a bit of a mob mentality. That has been really crazy too. It's, I don't know when this started. It started, 
I don't know, is this like a beginning of time thing where it's always been like this, but now people just have the forum to push this stuff out? Or has the inter- oh, or has the internet just made it, has exacerbated it to a level of just like craziness at this point? I know that sounds no, like a it's, stupid it's question. A new tool. Okay, okay, because I was like... It's just a tool for it. Yeah, it's it's so weird to me. I, I you know, we have conversations in, in the Adams household where I would constantly go on um, <laughs> super racist uh kkk sites and like make a make a make an account and go oh, on wow. just to dispute crazy shit that that goes on on these sites i know wow. it doesn't do anything but i feel like i have to set the record straight when it comes to certain things and my wife was constantly just like why do you do that why yeah. why even put yourself in that in that in that room i was like because somebody has to say something Somebody like no one should just be able to just say rampant, terrible shit about whatever group and just let no and like no one go in there and try to just infiltrate and say something just to balance it a little bit. It feels weird not to do it, but I do it and I've stopped now because it didn't really do anything. But it made me feel like I was trying, you know, yes. oh. and like because the Patriot Act and the NSA are tying you to all these like supremacist websites. And I mean, I tried to join the KKK <laughs> once. <laughs> I tried to join the clan once. I tried to send in because they, they had an application. They totally had an application, and I applied and I didn't make it. Oh man! I feel sad. I feel I, I feel like I didn't do my do my do my part. But could you probably had to like include a photo? I did. I sent in a photo. I sent a photo Incl- in, and I was like, Khalif Jamal Adams. This is my name. <laughs> and you and you will let me into your clan, clan. Mm. You'll let me into the clan, clan. And they totally did, they didn't do anything. They took my they took my twenty took my twenty bucks. I gave them money. I was like, I want to see if this will actually work. Cause you get a card, you get like oh, a shit. you get like a card, like a membership card for the clan. You, you, you get like a laminated card. Yeah, I was like, yo, give me my card. So like, do you get like discounts at some places? I mean, maybe on mayonnaise. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Miracle Whip. You get a discount on bleach cream. You get discount on bleach cream. You get um, I think you get extra. Uh, discounts when you have to cut two by fours in Home Depot. <laughs> um, you get a you get hella rope. <laughs> oh, shit. You get mad hella rope, rope, hella rope. It actually discounts. says that on the back of the card. Hella rope, <laughs> hella discounts. rope discounts and, and stuff like that. So I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I didn't know what the perks were going to be. I didn't know if there was like a Groupon for racists. Because oh, that would be kind of dope if there was. I'm pretty sure there is. This is the internet. <laughs> if you know of any group on racist discounts, send that yeah. to the small point block at gmail.com. Yeah, this is the net, man. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, but it, but again, to, to their credit, I think it was a great panel. I think it was really uh, needed because uh, there were a lot of diversity panels. There were a lot of um, a lot of discussions about you know, marginalized people in gaming groups, uh, at this last year's, at this year's packs. And I think that was even a turning, a turning point for a lot of, um, the ways that people thought about the gaming sphere and in, in their communities where people actually started to stand up and talk about the things that they find as, as being problematic in the, in the system, which I think is really, really awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, yeah, I've, I've definitely had my thing against PAX. I mean, I went a couple of years ago, but ever since they kind of doubled down on, and I'm not going to get into the whole controversies. It'll take forever, but right. they, they kind of doubled down on the, the founders of PAX and Penny Arcade kind of doubled down on some views I just don't agree with. So I kind of said, I'm not going to give my money to this. Um, but I do feel like what I've read about this year's PAX that they've, that they seem to be trying yeah. to change, you know, 
um, their reputation. And from what I've heard from people that were, you know, of different like minority groups and stuff like that, they've said that, you know, they really felt included. Um, and you know, so yeah, maybe I'm hoping that this is the first step to, you know, PAX really trying to make itself open to, you know, all different kinds of people and not sort of just judge and, uh, you know, do, do things that are kind of problematic. So, yeah, I, I think that like this and some other things that they had out there is a great first step for them to rehab themselves a little bit. Yeah. They've, they've done some, some pretty decent damage control on some ends and they've, they have, you know, uh, enlisted some people who are more thoughtful about the way that they want to portray both packs and, you know, people of color and women and, and people who are um, transgender and the LGBT community. Um, and they've done a decent job. There was an incident the first day with bathrooms where they didn't want to do something with the bathrooms. And yeah, and that was, a, that was an issue that they didn't, the, the, the forum had to actually, the convention center had to make them change that and they didn't want to do it. So there's still a ways to go. Um, I think that they still have some some cleaning up to do, uh, and they we'll see what happens in PAX Austin because they're gonna they're doing another PAX. Uh, they've branded out again, uh, so I think they're at like four at this point um, throughout mm-hmm. the year. So we'll see. Uh, hopefully, I may I may go next year depending upon how things go. Or I will try to actually get the paperwork in like a responsible adult, and <laughs> not wait until the last minute like I did it this year. Yay. um so we are out of here actually we're gonna be done uh for this episode episode 10 of spawn on me uh reef would you please share all of your information for the audience that they can contact you get up with you troll you send you terrible messages oh i'm sorry send you lovely messages and tell you how much they love you uh yes that's more like yeah uh yeah, so you can find me, um, basically Sharif Jackson on any social network, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, uh, whatever network. It's uh, S as in Sam, H-A-R-E-E-F as in Jackson. Sorry, E-E-F as in Frank. <laughs> F as in Jackson. Um, yeah, so um, I have a science blog at SharifJackson.com and at OperationCubicle.net. I run a podcast about being black geeks and corporate america called operation cubicle as well as a spinoff called rhyme right where we talk a little bit about hip-hop so definitely check out all those ventures that uh, i have going on word you have to check out sharif's last episode episode 100 of operation cube which has now become my favorite episode because of the magnificent hip-hop rapping that mr (laughs) mr jackson has incorporated into the show it is amazing I wanted to oh, yeah. rub it in my skin like lotion. <laughs> yeah, I I, I I I had to channel some some uh, some uh, quote unquote swag as the kids call it. Mad swag. So Sharif and JP, uh, they do their show uh, every what day does it come out? Every what? Tuesday. Every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. It's a definite awesome listen, and you should subscribe and send them ratings on iTunes and things like that because they because yeah, they rocked. and also uh, JP has a show that she is on with. Four other wonderful ladies, Nerdgasm Noir Network. They are awesome, and they do great work over there. Um, check them out as well on iTunes and all the other bits and pieces there. Um, you can check us out on smallpointblog.com. You can look at us and hang out with us and talk to us <laughs> on Twitter, at Kajakins, at smallpointblog, at spawnonme. And if you want to check out Stubby Stan, a.k.a. Cicero Holmes, our co-host, check him out, at Stubby Stan on Twitter. 
we will drop all this information in the show notes we'll have the music break uh song and all that good stuff in there and we will see you guys next week for episode 11 and we will see you soon all right peace out everybody peace everybody peace.